Welcome back to Luthier's Tale. I'm Ben Liggett, Luthier and owner of Liggett Guitars. Every episode, I interview someone that is passionate about their craft. This week, I'm speaking with Ryan Thorell, a very accomplished archtop builder from Utah. For more information on Ryan's guitars, you can visit Ryan's website at thorellguitars.com or follow him on Instagram at thorellguitars. For more info on my guitars, visit LiggettGuitars.com. Let's get into it. Well, thank you so much for uh, for being willing to do this, man. My pleasure. Um, you are like, uh, just like, seem like an archtop wizard. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I, uh, there's millions of places to go from there, but, uh, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How long have you been building? Um, I started when I was 14, actually. I, uh, I was taking guitar lessons at a store by where I grew up and, uh, the guy that was doing repair work for, uh, Summer Haze Music in uh, Cottonwood Heights, which is a uh, part of Salt Lake City. Um, uh-huh. His name is Timothy Gonzalez, and he was building this guitar that was like a uh, Jerry Garcia. Um, I forget what the name of the builder is who built his like Rosebud guitars, uh, but it, it was kind of like a, a a take on that, and I just thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And, uh, my father was super rad and, uh, um, paid Tim to teach me to build a guitar. And, uh, that was, uh, one of the, just a very formative experience in my life. And I, it ended up being about a two year experience. I didn't, I would go over to Tim's house, uh, once a week and work on this guitar and, and he taught me uh, some some repair techniques along that path, and I built a um, I built a guitar, an electric guitar that I still play is still my my favorite guitar. Really, and you built that when you were fourteen. I finished it when I was fifteen, so I started when I was like, yeah, because I couldn't drive yet. I remember you know showing it to girls at junior high school. And stuff. (laughs) I think you you know one of the beautiful things about uh, about this art is that it is very inclusive, uh, cross gender, cross cultural. Like it's just uh, you know it's one of the one of the cool things about jazz music that like or like instrumental music let's say like really, you know, cool original instrumental music is cross-cultural. And I think uh, guitar art is so cool that way, you know, and and you don't have to speak the same language to totally get what somebody's saying with their art. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend that uh, I actually had him on the podcast, uh, Jesus Ramirez, but he's like really big into the the Mexican music scene around here. And he'll take me to a gig where he's either performing or 
or recording um, someone else's performance with like video or, or just recording the audio or whatever. And, and so I'll find myself in this situation where I'm the tall, awkward gringo and everyone is speaking Spanish, you know, and then he'll, he'll mutter something to someone and they'll come up and be like, Oh, you make guitars, you know? And, and so, yeah, it's like every, everyone's into it. If you make anything, I feel like people are uh, usually impressed or receptive to it or yeah 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 i've always wanted to make a trace like i've uh, got the like the cuban trace yeah there it's just a gorgeous uh um instrument that's used a lot solo uh you know and and and, uh, a cuban instrument wow uh but i really love the music on that and the and the big, uh, the bass, the quattro, you know, mm-hmm. the, those are with a big triangular back. I've always kind of loved the concept of, um, what I understand the thought pattern behind that instrument is like this, this corner of a room really, as opposed to, a, uh, the, what we usually think of as like a back of a guitar, you know, as a, as a, uh, uh, vibrating, you know, secondary plate. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is always talking to me about Bajo Quintos, Uh huh. which is like a five string, 12 string, basically, you know what I mean? Yeah. Five, five paired strings. Yeah. So you had, uh, quite the head start on building, man. 14. Yeah, yeah, that, it was crazy. It was a really awesome experience, um, and you know, and I, I really wasn't thinking I was going to be a guitar maker until, um, you know, I was maybe like uh, twenty years, twenty one, I guess, was the year I decided to really dedicate myself to it, but. Um, it was, uh, I got to learn it in a way that I think is pretty, uh, unique, I guess. And, and, uh, was a really fulfilling, like, uh, way to learn the process, uh, um, as far as like just comprehending what it meant, you know, uh, to, uh, approach different parts of the, um, process and, and why things are designed the way they are and, and like kind of had to, uh, approach that at a very simple level for a kind of long period of time. And I think that really paid off for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, you know, some people get real scientific with their processes, um, like, I'm seeing people like using spectrum out and analyzers on tops and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've always kind of, you know, I don't build a lot of acoustic stuff, so it maybe doesn't apply to me as much, but I always kind of approach things a little more intuitively. Like, are you, you just kind of go by feel or, or do you have some of these uh, high tech methods in your building process? Uh-huh. Um, well, I really, I think that stuff's really cool. And I've had some, uh, really great conversations with the 
acoustic physicists about my own guitars that have been like mm -hmm. really exciting. I thought, uh, so I think that, um, I think that, you know, the more information that you can kind of feed into your, your approach to guitar making, it's, you know, it, it can be a very positive thing. And, uh, and it can be like a sidetrack to what, to a very, uh, labor intensive and long and lengthy process already as well. So I think that there's definite balance to, uh, to like keeping the process like energetic and knowing, you know, knowing when you don't necessarily need to, uh, divulge yourself to like, you know, wondering if you can improve things and like, trust yourself to like put out something that you're getting paid for, you know? Yeah. That can be kind of a, it's almost like a constant, um, like questioning of, um, how do I put it? I don't know. I, f I find that it's very, you like can't lie to yourself and it's like a very, uh, introspective process. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of daunting one too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just unique to the, each guitar. You really have to just kind of approach it honestly. And, and, um, you know, I think you're, I think to do a thing like this for a living, you have some kind of a commitment to the, to the passion of it. And like, like, you know, there, there's some level of relationship of like, you want to see this be a beautiful thing, you know, uh, beyond like, uh, the, the financial side of it, which I think doing it for a living does make it like a, uh, something you have to approach is like a, uh, a Spartan thing with, with, with real, uh, limitations on time and and how you approach your uh you know the way you you uh go you know how you spend your time i guess but yeah yeah there's a there's forces at play what you know whether you like it or not at some point you gotta make something that the market wants right mm -hmm. right and, and that can you be, have to that can be a oh go ahead no, no. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like not, not only something the market wants, but like, uh, something that is what you want the market to see, I guess as well. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a balance between that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's you a get hard... too weird and out there. No one wants it. I, you know, I, I generally, uh, that's not really, uh, a, a hard, thing for me like i i would love to be weirder and more out there but it's it usually like constrained before that's even a question by the fact that it's starting from a conversation from somebody who wants something you know yeah so i think i think that the constraints of the process like if you if you don't look at it as like a, a hardship it's an, it is more of an opportunity to really, uh, streamline your, your focus into building something cool, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you want to uh, create value for your customer, right? Make something that they'll love. Yeah, yeah. Do you, when you send off a new guitar to a customer, do you have like a a, a period where you're like anxious about what they think of it? The whole time. The whole time I'm building it. <laughs> yeah. That makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's really difficult to build something for somebody and, you know, you know, and judge it. Uh, and, you know, I think one of the things that I've got better at in recent years is just the management of that and separating that out from the process of building and like mm-hmm. not having to carry the weight of the anxiety of the management of what to do about like the best way to handle your clients, the best way to, you know, uh, uh, make sure they're taken care of, you know, which is always a question to me. Like I, I really am passionate about that aspect of the process, but, uh, it obviously, you know, comes with a lot of anxiety if you are constantly worrying about that while you're, um, while you're trying to build and while you're trying to, uh, raise your kids and all of that. So you have to, one of the things I've learned is that the art of management, uh, you know, even in, in a, like, a um, a one person shop is, is a really, uh, important skill and separating that out from, uh, just building, uh, and, and scheduling my time, uh, has allowed me to like kind of take the anxiety out of um, the process a little bit. So yeah. Well, thankfully, uh, I tend to feel like super confident while I'm making it, and then as soon as it's done, that all goes away. <laughs> and then I uh, send it off, and that's when the anxiety begins for me. <laughs> yeah. 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 I just you know I think uh, you have to. You have to accept that uh, anxiety, you know, like it's it's real and it kind of comes, you know, just kind of you figure out a way of dealing with it for yourself that is really honest and, uh, you know, and uh, luckily you build super badass guitars. So Well, shit, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I do. I really like your guitars, man. I, I really appreciate that, man. You uh you you made me feel good too. You said you liked my logo and I yeah. was just uh I was just considering like man, do I need to change my logo or something like that? I I don't know. I go through thoughts like that with every I think it's timeless enough that you should just keep it, man. It, it looks I, uh, I I really like a good mono weight uh script like that. And I think that it, you know, and it's something that also looks kind of timeless. So, although well, that you. said, like I love redoing my logo. So that's, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I, uh, you have it long enough, and it kind of becomes like like a little more set in stone. The longer you have it, you know, it's like oh, that's your thing, and people start to recognize it or whatever. So which it, is it cool. Kind of, 
yeah, it's cool. And I'm kind of stuck with it now. Uh, I, I do like it in my, uh, a good friend of mine from, uh, uh, I was in a, like a advanced art class in high school. And one of my friends from that class actually made it for me. And so it's, it's kind of, I, I kind of like that. I know the guy that made it and all that stuff. So you've had it since, um, you, he was a friend since then, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I had him make it probably, I was probably a couple years into, um, a couple years out of Roberto Venn. I'd say it's probably like 2013, 2014 is when I, when I got cool. it from him. Cool. What about you? How did you come about your logo? Well, I mean, I, that's the funny thing. I actually have two right now that I love. Uh, so I have my first one that a good friend of mine, Jeremy Nivison, who's done, lives in my town in Logan and has been a, you know, a, a kind of a friend and uh, photographer, media whatever kind of kind of guy I, I can call uh but he made my uh my most prominent logo um is that the one you'd find at the top of headstocks with kind of the yep. script yep yeah he made yeah, that I, I like that a lot back in um uh so it would have been around like 2004 and he uh and before that I was drawing them like, like kind of like I was trying to do, um, like a big flowing thing. Um, but I was, uh, they weren't very good at all. So there, uh, <laughs> I hope nobody ever sees one of those. <laughs> and, but since then, you know, uh, uh, that's been my most, prominent one and uh i have kind of a redesign that uh, uh i did about five years ago that uh a local designer named ty mortensen did for me that is i wanted something to be uh mono weight that i could like uh put on the front of a building or just in my shop as a neon sign and it's so cool. And uh, I've used it a few times because I, I really love that. So, yeah, I think uh, I, th I, I guess I'm a proponent for messing around with your tradition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I love neon. Did you have a yeah. neon sign made? I haven't. No, no. I mean, I got the I got the estimate. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know exactly what you mean so, yeah i mean cheap. maybe someday you know yeah yeah it, what a cool art what a beautiful thing i definitely it's down the road for me at some point even if i just put it on the wall in my shop you know yeah yeah totally yeah i find like photographs with neon like neon photographs so lovely yeah it's great yeah yeah it looks really cool in front of a building and the, the font he so i mean i've used it on i just built uh six uh like kind of like uh just offset junior style guitars and that's the first time mm -hmm. i've ever like built that kind of style of guitar 
And so, uh, like a Les Paul Jr. kind of, yeah, uh huh. And uh, I did some water slide decals for these, uh, and uh, I, that was pretty fun. I That's really awesome. only cut my uh, logo before that, so yeah, I, I noticed that you uh, you cut your logos by hand, uh huh. Yeah, it's awesome. Props to you for that. Well, it really like, I mean, I, it takes about an hour, you know, and I feel like if I can keep that up, you know, then, uh, that's like a good discipline, you know, I guess for, for, uh, just keeping up your, uh, your pearl cutting skills. And it really has been worth it just for that, you know, and I, I like the way it looks. I mean, I guess I, you know, there's, it's never as perfect as, a, as good, uh, laser cut shell, but it, it kind of looks like, uh, old arch top because of that, because, you know, of all the hand cut shell from the golden era of the guitar. So I always like that element uh, in my guitars. And I think, uh, my customers appreciate it. So it just is like a, um, uh, more of a practice, I guess, than, uh, than like a, a statement, like it's like better or something than, than, uh, laser or, uh, you know, CNC cut pearl. Yeah, for sure. Cause yeah, I'm I a mean, cheater in that regard. Oh, I mean, a lot of people are doing right now. Like, I, I, you can't say that uh, hand cut things are are like. I mean, are any more artful than uh, computer cut? You know, art that's being done right now because it's just really, you know, it is such a a, a tool of the artist kind of a thing, and and both mm-hmm. are beautiful. You know, I I do see some stuff like I noticed like portraiture stuff that I've seen people inlay where they'll do say laser cut, um, pieces of, uh, veneer uh-huh. and stuff. Sometimes I see that when it starts, some things can look too perfect sometimes. Like if it's an image of something. And, yeah. and so I don't know, like there is an artfulness to hand cut stuff. And, and what I really like is uh, <clears throat> to cut something on the machine, but engrave it by hand. You know, I, I really cool. like that mix. That's cool. Yeah, great. Yeah, I'm a I'm a cheater. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think that's true at all. I mean, uh, like I said, I think it's uh, tools of an artist and and. Um, you know, if anything, the one of the things that I enjoy that kind of leads me away, it's not away from using computer aided design more. It's not like I, ha- I mean, I've used it on and off my whole career for, you know, various, various projects. Uh, if you're collaborating with anybody, it's not like, you know, you, you can send a hand-drawn blueprint to them. One of the reasons, I guess, uh, I, the, I lead, I tend to just kind of stay with, uh, 
uh, hand-tooled work is is the uh, notion of of limitation uh, again in the process. So it just affords that a little bit more of a Spartan presentation of what you're going for as uh, as an artist or a craftsperson of this guitar you're trying to present you know so i yeah. it like uh i never I, I never don't appreciate that because of the fact that in guitar design in general there's just so much going on uh already that if you can if you can say something simply and and uh you know in, in a more limited fashion it usually is more effective and it's something that may mm -hmm. in my mind sit well with uh you know on stage and not be ostentatious in the presentation of that musician to his audience yeah yeah absolutely like uh sometimes like understated and refined can stand out more mm -hmm. um someone that comes to mind in that in uh in the acoustic world is uh uh dion guitars oh yeah seen him? yeah I love his, his stuff guitars. is just like so simple mm -hmm. it's not flashy at all but like they're it's almost like a like a modern home or something that's real sleek and sparse. Like I, I just love that. Yep. Yeah. It, it's hard for me to take a step back. Sometimes I tend to uh, go a little more. Dion is, is very good at that. <laughs> like simply stated, like very clear presentation of, of his sense of, of his design. And it's, uh, it, it is, extremely well stated in a way that communicates well with the, you know, and it is kind of like a, a modern Danish kind of uh, a yeah. thing. I really dig it. I think design is such an interesting thing that way because it's like, it's such a, um, a flattering of the ego to pursue, but like to really, uh, to really get at something that is, kind of meaningful you kind of have to move you have to move past that and and really see uh what it is past your own your own uh limitations you know yeah yeah something like you're saying sometimes limits are like constraints are the best uh they're like a tool in themselves almost um, I wanted to ask you um, on the inlay subject about a specific guitar that I saw on your Instagram feed, which was the George Cole uh -huh. guitar. That fretboard inlay is nuts. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, I really wanted to do something fun with the uh, with the font on that. Oh. Yeah, it flows so good. That and that's kind of another, uh, you know, like a, it's another place where uh drawing it out by hand uh allows allows you to play with uh, uh shapes uh you know play play with shapes in uh and i i really don't know that i could do font work without 
you know, on a computer the way I do it by hand as intuitively, you know? Yeah. Uh, my next plan for design, um, tools is I really want to get a, um, really nice iPad with an Apple pencil and uh -huh. kind of, uh, do that kind of thing. Oh, uh, it's, it's just, yeah. My, uh, my, we have, uh, four kid, four teenagers in our house and mm -hmm. three of them are like what they do with their, with their, uh, stylus in the, the programs they use art wise. It's just ridiculous. I can't. You yeah. Know, it's and, amazing what you can pull off. Yeah. It kind of makes, um, Photoshop look limited sometimes just how uh, intuitive it is. Like I find like a touch screen, I could pick it up like instantly, but then I go to the old, like an old desktop program with like a million options in the sidebar. And I, I'm just like, I just can't do it. I'm too old. <laughs> to right. Pick it up. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. I think anybody that, that did it, uh, find, you know, like old school art tables more intuitive might find a might find you know working with an ipad and an apple pencil you know way more easy than than photoshop and you know so it is kind of uh it is something that like i've thought like oh man i should really uh give that a try but i haven't yet so you have yeah. to let me know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We'll do. Um, I was going to, uh, I wanted to also ask you about, um, this is something I've talked about with a lot of um, builders. And that's like the idea of responsiveness with a guitar, kind of like that, almost like a haptic feedback kind of feel when you get a guitar that really, um, that really emotes. Yeah. Um, what do you find? What, what kind of makes that for you in a guitar? Oh, that's a good question. Um, that there's so much to that. Like, I think that there's, yeah. there's, uh, there's a lack of over stiffness across every part of the guitar. Mm -hmm. And, that's like the most critically thought out piece is what it takes to remove that over stiffness everywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. And I not guess. going too thin. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and still providing what the, um, you know, what, what is structurally needed, but, and, and it's not just about thinning down, uh, thinning down or going, going, uh, making the top as thin as possible. Um, I guess, you know, other, it is a lot more elaborate than that. And in fact, like that's where you get guitars to just have one volume and it's all kind of loud and mushy. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, there's no dynamic to the, to the soundboard, but you know, there's other elements like the stiffness of a neck and a neck that feels like it can respond a little bit, but stays right in place, you know, or yeah. a neck that's like just super like baseball bat straight, uh, 
you know, solid and it doesn't move in at all. Like there's like, uh, there's an over stiffness that, that sometimes in, in, uh, the sides of the guitar, for example, is one thing that is kind of an interesting difference between some guitars, uh, like, like a vintage, uh, a vintage Gibson guitar that like may, like sound really different when someone's playing finger style on it. It doesn't have like quite the headroom as like a really refined, uh, uh, high definition flat top guitar. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have that like balance across the spectrum that a guitar like that might have, but it's, it sounds jangly and it sounds different. And, uh, in all of these nuanced ways, you know, and the sides kind of, warp as the guitar is played in in ways that influence the way the soundboard is is uh reflecting across its three different modalities and i think that that is kind of an interesting um juxtaposed to the idea of just really stiffening up, up the exterior of the guitar and allowing the soundboard to be just a speaker yeah uh, it's it's much more uh there's there's a lot more of a a larger palette of flavors there at play i guess do you find gibson old gibsons to be have thin sides well i guess i would say you you know like they're floppy guitars they're floppy little guitars yeah Yeah, and and it's cool like what it does is it influences the soundboard you know Mm -hmm. in ways that uh, it's stealing energy from the soundboard and affecting the way that the modalities are uh, of that particular plate are going to uh, interact. And uh, beyond that, the stiffness of the plate that's needed. Um, but the, uh, the, it affords all of these different uh, nuances that, or why those guitars are sought after by particular fingerstyle guitarists, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, L one or that, you know, is just an awesome accompaniment instrument. And so, yeah, there's a, we, when I worked, I worked for Bishline banjos for a long time and, uh, we had a, one of the owners had a an old Gibson there, and the sides were so thin that I mean, you could damn near push your thumb through it. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it was a very cool sounding guitar. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, the you know stiffening up the kerfing and and laminating sides, all of that stuff is really cool, and it does afford uh, someone to make a. a uh, soundboard that will produce more volume and um, and a wider range of of full harmonic spectrum. I guess is mm-hmm. there's a better way of saying that. I'm sure, but uh, the uh, and I think you know in uh, in that type of a guitar like an older Gibson. I think part of the the key to the magic is is the the looseness of the entire box as it plays together 
in different yeah. dynamics. Uh, um, you know, when you play different dynamically on that guitar. Do you ever experiment with laminated sides with your arch tops? Yeah, yeah, I've uh, done. Uh, for for me in my work, it's more a matter of uh, what is needed for the response I'm getting out of the particular soundboard that I mm -hmm. and and the the nature of the wood I'm using for the back and sides. So some woods like Douglas fir. Um, I will use for the sides on a guitar and laminate, um, and, uh, is it a softer wood, softer wood? Uh, yeah, more crack, uh, um, to, you know, add some crack resilience, I guess, into the structure. And, um, yeah. and I think it doesn't seem, it seems to be, um, very bell-like you know and and so in some woods uh if i if you laminate uh it doesn't really seem to add um anything structurally perhaps some straightness which is really awesome to the sides um and there's there's definite benefits to laminating um by adding like just awesome stiffness uh to your bent shape and uh and a straight side that will you know uh produce like a really good binding binding channel um, yeah. so uh i think uh those i think there's some really uh you know i guess in my guitars it it if there's a benefit to to laminating uh, I've done it. And I guess also, uh, there was a period where I was laminating my linings and my sides almost exclusively. Um, and then I made a dreadnought that with laminated sides and African blackwood. And I really Ooh. didn't, I just really felt like it was too stiff. And, uh, that's when a friend of mine that, you know, plays a lot of old guitars, um, and I were having a conversation about, you know, and I was thinking I was probably, you know, gluing the headstock back on his Gibson or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but like, yeah, I think I, 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 I gravitated away from laminating sides. Um, uh, and I, I stayed laminating, uh, curve by my linings, uh, a bit longer and i yeah, do that a lot more linings are, so are you are you laminating them in the the shape of your body uh-huh yeah okay yeah, so they're not curved oh no i now i'm making my own curve linings and i've been kind of like really geeking out on that like but when i made my my uh my uh, laminated linings, you know, uh, you can use, uh, uh, fillet of wood, the, the thickness of your side, if it's like 95 thousandths or what have you. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then a piece of, uh, wax paper between 
you know, and lay up like a, a three inch um, piece into your, in your side form of, uh, you know, of, of, uh, of lining and then cut that down and shape it. But so you're, uh, you're bending like maybe three piece. I usually do three pieces uh, so that there's enough cross grain support to be like a good, a good ply and, uh, and we'll go, you know, typical linings are around a quarter inch more or less, you know, three sixteenths, five sixteenths, but thick and, but you'll bend each of those on, on your, you know, however you bend them and you can make them thin enough that you can bend them easily on a pipe and they don't have to be perfect and just clamp them in and glue them in and, and then cut them and shape them. And, uh, and then that's really cool. I have not with those, seen a lot of that. Yeah, it's a, it is a cool thing. And with those, with, uh, uh, lining guitars like that, you also, I mean, you get like a flat, you get a lot of the benefits that you want for binding, uh, with flat sides and, and super stiff, uh, structure. Um, yeah. And you can, you can shape them in, in really beautiful ways. And, um, you know, I think that I've seen, you know, people that, that build in that fashion or, you know, uh, make linings in that fashion can, uh, they can be quite a bit smaller than, than you would expect. It'd be really how, how much stiffness does that add to an unlaminated, unlaminated side versus say a traditional kerfing and laminated sides? Is it anywhere near as stiff? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's, I think it's noticeably less stiff in a good way. But I, if, but that, you know, that's very dependent on woods. Like some woods are, you know, there's just, you know, African blackwood is just glass, no matter what you do to it, you know, it doesn't care if you laminate something on the inside of it, (laughs) you know, right. I I think so, uh, there, you know, it is a, it is a dependent, a situational dependent, uh, thing, but a couple things like as far as laminated sides, uh, uh, there's a, a base builder, uh, ham is last name. And, okay. uh, and, uh, he has an ultralight base where the, you know, part of the concept is just building this, this upright base that is, uh, um, as light as possible. Uh, and I actually, I believe it's a cello, the, the ultralight cello, but the, uh, one of the design, uh, elements that he developed for that project was a, uh, was a, uh, silk lined, uh, laminate side. So there's a layer of silk inside two very thin laminates. Um, and so I tried that with some Brazilian rosewood and, uh, that I had, uh, I, I was actually like old old stock, like, uh, from, 
just veneer, but thick grade veneer because it's like from the from the uh, 60s, I would guess. I got it from my grandpa. But the uh, the the those sides, I, I laminated up a, a couple gypsy bodies, and I still have some sides left in my shop. Like, I mean, they and they haven't budged at all. It's it's just so so amazing how uh, how well that works as a structure. Silk. Well, I, I I wouldn't have guessed that it would have added so much extra stiffness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you're definitely sheeting every, you know, every little grain in the wood, and uh, and I like the idea of being able to, to go make the side really thin. So what's yeah. that? I like that idea of being able to make the sides thinner because that always makes uh, bending a lot less of a chore. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the things, in, interesting tricks with bending is uh, like Gorilla Glue. Have you ever used Gorilla Glue for laminating sides? Um, I used it on a electric guitar body top one time and it was a disaster. <laughs> so I've, <laughs> I've avoided it like the plague. How, how do you use it? Gorilla Glue has a really high heat tolerance. So you can laminate a side flat and then bend it mm -hmm. nice. and bend it after it's laminated and it'll hold this, the, the shape really well. And there is obviously like a limitation to that, uh, as far as the curvature, but, uh, I've bent some pretty tight cutaways using that technique. So have you, or can you do that with the, the silk in the middle? I don't, I would think that the silk, uh, melt might, would probably melt. Mm. I've heard of people doing that with uh, hide glue, laminating okay. them and then bending them as well. Ah, yeah. That's, cool. um, I, I wanted to ask you about, um, when I was speaking with, uh, I talked to Damon, uh, Myland from uh -huh. Benedetto and uh, and he was kind of talking about we were kind of comparing flat tops and arch tops and uh, it seems like like an arch top they are it's like the, the fundamental of the note is stronger or the attack is stronger in a way that you can you can play individual notes and they don't bleed together the way a flat top might, uh -huh. but it still retains, um, sustain. Uh, do you find that to be the case? Yeah. Yeah. I think the, like the difference between an arch top and a flat top is, is pretty much how the sound is, is radiated or projected, you know, the, an arch top you can hear kind of the same tonality as you walk away from the instrument as you walk back towards the back of a, a hall which is why they were noticeably more effective 
in the big band era because mm-hmm. you could just you could hear the rhythm the way you could hear a banjo you know projecting across a hall and yeah. a flat top is is a you know the the instrument um vibrates in a way that radiates the sound in a little bit more of a uh enveloping way yeah yeah it doesn't cut through as much maybe right um when you are i've seen you make uh some arch tops that have nylon strings um Uh do you how how differently do you approach the carving of the plates for a nylon string build versus a steel string well i mean i i really thought about it very uh thoroughly for a while and uh i decided to approach the nylon string uh guitar as as a structure as um as you know with the fan bracing and and the way i guess uh fundamentally i thought that the um a correct classical guitar would vibrate and and move and why it was built that way mm-hmm. um but i and i took that and uh approached it from uh from two aspects of of arch top guitar design which are like the the use of the z axis to um a carved z axis in the guitar and uh and using that as a more fundamental part of the structure to uh to bracing so the way that the arching works you know needed to take uh some to care of some of the work of the um of the fan bracing and the transverse bracing of the of uh classical guitar design and mm-hmm. uh the other uh so i guess for me it was that's really where i started uh using my pie bracing uh which later became the bracing pattern on the Franconiola design um but it's it's really simple in effect but a you know it in essence kind of mirrors the way an arch top functions in uh in view of the the structure of a classical guitar so there's only two uh two fan braces two you know two lateral braces and then a transverse brace that dissects them at a way that still uh allows uh that allows for a little bit more bass um reflex on the bass side of the soundboard um because well, it's so you're angled. you're uh so so there's a lot a lot of bracing differences well no i mean i guess it's kind of a simple difference but it's a very effective i guess that's my point is like it's a very is supposed like it's a very simple difference uh in the bracing uh Mm -hmm. 
it just by adding, you know, taking a, a regular parallel braced uh, arch top and adding this dissecting angled transverse brace, but that allowed me to affect a little bit more of the uh, the way a classical guitar moves in it, you know, but using the methodology of an arch top and it is, you know, mm -hmm. thinner, um, but that's really, uh, really not where it gets more drive. Like it, it, it really, uh, is a difficult guitar to make because you, you know, you can't, if, if you just try to thin it out to a point where it, it sounds just like a, you know, uh, uh, an arched flat top, I guess. Um, and you, I want, I don't want that. I wanted to have a kind of that fullness that you were describing, um, before of, of attack. Um, and, uh, so it does get really difficult to, uh, to understand the structure, but it, the top needs to be thinner, but also stout enough to be like, really punchy yeah um i got to meet frank uh, vignola at uh he performed at uh bishline banjos we would have ha house concerts there uh-huh and uh and he came through uh one year and uh it was he and his um his bandmate uh you know and his his bandmate i think he played um a flat top and uh and frank played the arch top and good god i mean some <laughs> of the most impressive guitar playing i've ever witnessed oh yeah it, yeah and vinny raniolo was, was probably who was playing in the rhythm guitar yes, on a it. callings jumbo and mm -hmm. just some of the most awesome rhythm guitar you've ever seen and the way they interact and play together is, it is, it's just another, from another planet. Yeah, I, I'm such a fan of Frank Vignola. He is such uh, a, a, a melodist, uh, like, uh, you know, his sense of melody is, and the way he, he thinks about and crafts melody across his, you know, his solos or presentation of, of a song it it's just very beautiful yeah yeah i mean and just like some of the like they were playing things that i couldn't dream of pulling off on an electric guitar with distortion hiding my sloppiness you know <laughs> and they were all playing acoustic instruments so it's like nowhere to hide and they're just yeah it was just incredible and, and quite the showman as well yeah it's fun to hear an acoustic instrument i would imagine like with in that environment you know that you could hear the acoustic quality of the guitar pretty well yeah yeah you know a lot of those a, smaller um, shops shows are like that yeah we would sit about 40 people and it was kind of a uh it was very low ceilings and it was very lengthways kind of long rectangle room uh -huh. And yeah, it just sounded great. We had some great shows there. We had Billy Strings play oh, there. Oh, cool. When he was a nobody, you know, uh, 
he played a whole show and then went back to change and came out in his boxers <laughs> and uh and he was just covered in tattoos that you couldn't see with his shirt on <laughs> and uh and he uh and he sat down and played one of our banjos and put finger picks on and everything and, and proceeded to play banjo as good as I've heard anyone play banjo. And I was just like, who is this kid? <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't even know who he was. And then like, no I one knew he was coming him. back out in his boxers, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, but he was just like this weird guy that was like insanely talented. And it was, yeah, I've just watched him become insanely famous. Uh, yeah. He's over the years. He's great. I'm a big yeah. fan. When people, when people approach you um, to build an instrument, uh, tell me about your customers. What what are they usually looking for? Um, I'm fortunate. I guess uh, some people are looking for me to just kind of do my thing these days. That's but the that- best. That's not, yeah, those are, those are the best clients and, or those are really fun projects. Uh, um, you know, and then I have, I have, uh, customers that really want a particular sound or, um, or style of guitar. And, uh, um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I try to, uh, really understand where people are coming from. And, uh, I, I do have a pretty wide range of clients, I guess. And I, I try to, I try to, uh, expand what I offer and see what, how, you know, see, I try to use it as a way to expand what I offer, I guess, you know, is there an opportunity? To try something new. Yeah. Yeah. Always like, uh, I'm always trying to listen and, and understand what's unique about each particular client. I mean, even if it's like, like an FV and I, I feel like, like, uh, or like, uh, um, you know, a guitar design that I've, I've built, uh, a lot of, uh, there's going to be that personality of that particular client. And there's everything that I've been thinking about this whole time I've been building that pertains to that instrument that I've wanted to try or how I've wanted to develop it. Or, you know, there's the creative force of, of, uh, you know, continually bettering a a particular guitar design. Um, Yeah. And so I kind of try to let that all play, uh, but it's not anywhere near like it's definitely uh, uh, it has to start with listening to your client and like being good at really understanding what kind of uh, person they are and what they really want to get out of the guitar. And I I think making that... uh, fun has has made the process of uh, building custom guitars really really fun for me yeah i i love it when uh you get to um try something new in that uh-huh. way uh-huh. and experiment and do your mad scientist thing yeah 
Yeah, totally. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of an important part of, of the process. I mean, we are in effect like prototype shops of, 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 uh, you know, really boutique design. And, uh, so that, you know, I think that it's, it's fun to take advantage of, um, any opportunities that that affords you as a, as a designer, you know, like, can you change things, uh, change little things or, or, you know, like, or in, or can you streamline what it is that you want to do and kind of the exact opposite of that and really say something really cleanly and clearly and just, you know, sell that. And so that, Mm -hmm. that like ability to really personalize is why is one of the, um, big advantages of, uh, you know, very small shop builders. Yeah. Yeah. You can stay nimble and change things up at a moment's notice. Yeah. Fly low to the ground. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Throw something out, fail epically and get right back up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you got to think if you've got a, I don't know if you were managing Taylor guitars, for example, and you come out with a new model and it sucks. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, it's big. I don't know. You, yeah, it becomes, it's not just one guitar that you're like, well, well that didn't work. It's like, no, you geared up for months for this thing. Yeah. That was a flop. Like thousands of people. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then you could like potentially like harm your whole brand or whatever. I hate to use Taylor as an example. There's nothing wrong with Taylor, but yeah. Right. uh, Just that concept of factory setting. Yeah. Of messing up at that scale. Yeah. It's a totally different ball game than, than putting something out there or, or like building a guitar around one piece of wood, you know, like how often do you have something gorgeous and you're like, man, that's everything just follows that one piece of wood. You know, that's not, necessarily easy to do in a factory yeah yeah exactly yeah you've got a in contrast you'd have to have a truckload of wood that you're gearing up for yeah right um um i also wanted to ask you about your um your jp cut Uh uh-huh um and so as i understand it most archtop plates the perimeter is flat is that correct right Right. Um, th- how the hell do you do that? What is going on? How do you even begin to approach that? So I, I, uh, have just for uh, the, for the audience, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Go um, for it. It's like the, the, the perimeter of the top where your arm would sit is curving like way down and the entire carve of the top is following this. It it almost looks like you melted the top of the guitar in this like beautiful or, seamless or way or something. Yeah. 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 But I, you're carving it from a solid piece of right. wood, I'm assuming. Right. Right. Um, so yeah. How the hell do you do that, sir? So that is, uh, I, I developed that for, um, a guitar I built for Montreal, uh, guitar festival in the 2009, I think. And, uh, I built an, it was an ebony, 
macassar ebony back and sides and a eastern rock maple neck and i had a wood supplier at this time um who sent me an orphan uh upright bass soundboard i was like you know like well, i don't know what to do with this thing because it's only one side of uh of an upright uh set and i was like rad i want it and uh and i just uh was trying to think of something you know armrests were kind of uh um, new fashion, let's say in the, in the, um, in the boutique guitar market and at that time in, in, in those years and, uh, people were doing all kinds of armrests. And so, um, that was really an inspiration to, uh, carve, figure out how to carve it out. And, um, really it is, uh, an easy process. Uh, you kind of think of the rim, you find the rim of the guitar with the maximum um, point uh, of the center of the arch as a guide to the bottom of the rim. And that, that really leaves uh, a chunk that you can carve out and make your armrest from that point. So mm. uh, it's really kind of a, a simple rethinking of the way you approach the the geometry in the process. But the important thing is that if anybody ever does it, they have to uh, reference Joshua Payne, who it's named after, who is one of the greatest guitar players ever. So, and I love him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you ever, do you, have you ever seen Josh Payne's music? He's no, a, no. I'm LA based guitar I'm... player. Well, he, he, isn't very well known, but he's a uh, LA bass guitar player, and he is pretty well. He is known more than and uh, on the underground, pretty pretty thoroughly. Uh, but he plays an arch top with all kinds of effects and um, does really amazing street performances with giant art displays, and like oh, sings nice. into his arch top with the iPhone and. Uh, does like, you know, just has, uh, just really beautiful art music, but, uh, uh, the significance there. And, uh, so he bought that first guitar and just fell in love with it. And he was my first favorite guitar player when I was, uh, when I was like, you know, so I was like 15 and my dad took me to Moscow, Idaho. And we, we saw to where there's a, uh, Lionel Hampton, uh, jazz festival. And, uh, -huh. uh, so he was playing up there in their, their guitar, uh, competition, their jazz guitar competition. And I'd never still to this day, there's nothing like the way Josh Plain plays the guitar. And when he, I saw him play, uh, uh, what was it? Girl from Ipanema. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll never forget the, you know, just the way that, how uniquely a person can touch an instrument you know like what wow. an amazing thing it, it almost sounds like uh it's part like performance art too yeah for for josh yeah definitely yeah. dang i'm yeah. gonna have to dive he's actually he does uh he he plays the nike uh 
clubs. He plays like really hot nightclubs in LA and like they do like a DJ set list with a trio and like the way they approach it, all the music is just super fun and energetic and like, I mean, very, very lively, you know? Wow. Um, so how did you get hooked up with him? Did you just happen to run into him at the uh, Montreal festival or? So that was, no, that was the Idaho. So, I mean, he lived in, in Utah and uh, we just became friends in high school um, oh, wow. because he's just the greatest dude. And I was just like, you know, in love with his guitar playing. And, uh, but yeah, it was the, uh, Ida- it was the Moscow, Idaho uh, line when, while Lionel Hampton was still alive. And it, it was, that was such a fun festival. Dang. Yeah, that's got to be a, a, a thrill making a guitar for your favorite guitarist. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, uh, um, I mean, he bought it. He came to me and wanted it after, um, after I had built that. And I had actually built, I mean, when, when I built Frank, his guitar, that was after I built Frank, his guitar. I mean, there, there will never be anything like that in my career ever again, you know? Cause like, uh, when, uh, when he bought, when Frank bought his guitar and like immediately took it to Europe and like use it in the Suave festival. And it's like in, on, you know, in these just, just, uh, idyllic, you know, uh, European concert settings and, uh, uh, like instantly, um, everyone saw that guitar. And so, you know, there was, there'll be never nothing like that experience. I think. <laughs> yeah. Everybody I'm sure was like this guy, he's, he's amazing. And what is he playing? You know? Yeah. The guitar they- looked very different and, and, Everyone, you know, uh, Frank is such a renowned, uh, has always played amazing guitars. Like Frank's Benedetto is one of the most beautiful guitars you'll ever see. Um, and his, his work on, uh, his, um, his gypsy guitars and, uh, you know, so I think for Frank to take a guitar from someone that was like pretty unknown, uh, you know, on, on the international scene and, and all of a sudden, you know, my guitar sounded pretty good and sounded really good. And because it's Frank Vignola, you know, Stamp of <laughs> and, approval. Yeah. And, and it's unique. And it was, it was, uh, we really just went for a really unique design and, and, and it worked right off the bat. And like, to have something like that played internationally and like sound different enough to turn heads and, and like it sold really well right off the bat. And, and most people still play their guitars. Most people just love them and keep playing them, you know? So it's like, uh, it, that was, pretty much one of the definitely like one of the high points of my career as far as other than 
like family is, you know, as life, life, uh, life high points. That was just such a thrill to see, uh, happen and, and such a strange thing to experience, I guess, as well. That's so awesome. What a, what a blessing that was, man. Yeah, definitely. Man, we've clocked over an hour, sir. Well, you know, I was really anxious. I was going to have anything to say. So hopefully, <laughs> man, hopefully everyone thinks something. that. And, and then you always, and then all my guests always have super interesting things to say. So thank you so much. Oh, you've been just a gentleman. I really appreciate it. You've, it's been great. 